You're listening to 90.5 WKHS Warden. Everyone has a story. Everyone starts somewhere. Let's go back to the beginning. Each week, we'll chat with local professionals and hear about the goals and plans they had in high school and then connect the dots to the present day. This is personal. This is all about connections. This is College and Career Corner. Welcome to this week's edition of College and Career Corner. I'm your host, Andra Anderson, Senior Coordinator for MBRT's Next Generation Scholars. Well, we are feeling like spring left. It's super rude outside right now. It's disrespectful, actually. The weather is very cold today. So I I think last week I had said something like, um, here is spring, and I think I might have jinxed it. So <laughs> we are sitting here back in winter in the studio, and I'm really excited for our, our guest today. We have with us Tom Porter, who... so. Tell us your title and what that means. So, Tom Porter, welcome to WKHS. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah. Uh, the studio is phenomenal. I can't wait for the tour after our session together. Yes. Um, so, the short version of my title is Blueprint Coordinator mm-hmm. for Kent County Public Schools. The long version is, I need to take a breath before You're I right. say it. <laughs> Prepare it's yourself. Assistant Coordinator for Accountability and Implementation. Whew, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure, yeah. <laughs> right? That's a lot of words. So what is that? So I know, you know, certainly in education, you know, Blueprint has been the hot topic for for quite a while. And I know certainly with MBRT, we do a lot of work in the college and career readiness environment. And there's just a lot happening there, too. But um, I guess like what what is this position meant to do and um, how did you come to be in this position as well? Okay, so the position, um, accountability and implementation. Essentially, school systems are largely funded through grant funding, Mm -hmm. Um, many of them competitive grants where when you're awarded these buckets of money, you then need to demonstrate your commitment to monitoring the effectiveness of the program that you're implementing. Right. So on paper, the the two funding sources that I'm tasked with uh, monitoring are uh, the Blueprint for Maryland's Future, which is the... um, the legislation that's guiding education programming across the state, and then also the Maryland Leads Grant, which mm-hmm. is um, a generous funding source from the state that we have for the next two years. Uh, the Blueprint for Maryland's Future is um, very nascent. It has not been a lo- around for very long. In fact, we're, we're within our first year of implementing the Blueprint. Uh, this is sweeping legislation. It's um, 245 pages of <laughs> legislation at the, le- at the, uh, the state level. And um, essentially, what the blueprint was was tasked with doing was revising funding formulas. So you'll see a lot of um, financial components to the to this law that dictates how much money certain programs um, are awarded across the state, uh, and then also just um, educational programming from pre-K all the way up to um, you know post high school uh, implications as well. Mm-hmm. So with b- both of those different grants that you're you're providing accountability for and implementing, how do you find yourself spending your time day to day? Like what are you what are you prioritizing? What what takes up your brain space, all of those things? Okay. So the Blueprint for Maryland's Future, we are in the first year of of implementation and we have a, uh, a an approaching deadline. March 15th is our deadline Ooh. to submit yeah, I know. Next week. <laughs> I, it's next Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. Um, that is our deadline to submit our comprehensive 
blueprint implementation plan, mm-hmm. which um, to kind of walk it back a little bit, the uh, the the law was was more or less finalized in April of uh, 2021, mm-hmm. which gave everyone um, about a year and a half to make sense of what this gargantuan bill mm-hmm. actually means for um, for school systems. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the law creates a group of people at the state level called the Accountability and Implementation Board, and the law specifically says. This group of individuals, which are you know fewer than twelve people, um, and they are appointed by the governor, they are tasked with interpreting the law for school systems and essentially guiding school systems through implementing everything that the blueprint says we have to implement. Mm-hmm. Um, the blueprint for Maryland's future, the law, gives the accountability and implementation board essentially full control of of interpreting the law. Um, and they are the ones who, the Accountability and Implementation Board, they are the ones who will approve or not approve our implementation plan. Um, when they approve our implementation <laughs> plan, we receive um, an increase in state funding. So if mm-hmm. for some reason something were to, unfortunate were to happen and they were, to, they were to say that we are out of compliance with the law, they would withhold a portion of uh, the state increase in funding for our school system. So, Ooh, yeah, so, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, um, we just want to make sure. So, you asked, what does my day consist of? Yeah. My day essentially consists of um, collecting information from the Maryland State Department of, of Education, from the Accountability of, and Implementation Board, and then networking with um, others who are in the blueprint coordinator role in school systems across the state. Um, to ensure that we here in Kent County understand what we're supposed to do. Um, we understand what the best practices are for implementing these programs that are, that are contained in the law and that we can document our uh, commitment to implementing these programs through our implementation plan. So, um, I mean, at this stage, our implementation plan, it's about 150 pages long. Um, it consists of our responses to 164 questions uh, to, to demonstrate our 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 fidelity to the law. Um, these are narrative responses. These are extensive data tables um, and linked artifacts that you know show that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, or that we're we're creating the systems and processes mm-hmm. to ensure that we're able to do what the law is asking us to do. Yeah. So any given day is a little different, I imagine. Um, how how did you get to be? in this role. I mean, where let's back it up. I mean, one of the things I love doing on this show is backing way up to high school. So like imagine you were sitting in your classes in junior or senior year of high school. What did you hope to accomplish or what were you thinking about doing? Uh, so my my parents like to tease me because when I graduated high school, I um, I went to St. Mary's College of Maryland in Southern Maryland, liberal, very small liberal arts school. Uh-huh. Um and my plan was to study English and to become, you know, the next Stephen King. Of course. Uh, so I have made it. I am a writer. Yeah. I'm not doing the type, the, the sort of writing that, uh, you know, I was planning on doing First when imagined. I was a junior. Yeah. You know, I was inspired by the great Gatsby. I wanted to write <sighs> like, uh, you know, the Maryland native F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. Not doing that type of writing. Yeah. I'm more doing technical writing um, to inform educational programming. Yeah. Like, look, published, look at that, yeah, <laughs> right? So, so my name is on published documents, but not there in the way go. that I had initial, initially planned. Yeah. So you're going to go to school to become, did you end up majoring in English? 
Yeah, I majored in English. Um, my my senior project was a novel, so I did write you know a two hundred page Southern Gothic narrative nice. that was never published yet. Um, no, you know, we're not going back there. Got it. <laughs> it may, maybe in retirement, I'll I'll dust that off and and see if I. So so what I learned there was that um, publishing a book requires an enormous investment, mm. and it's you know publishing a novel is not just sitting in your library looking out the window and being romantic and, and writing the next big thing. You also have to have a plan for marketing, sure. um, a plan for securing funding, uh, and it's really an investment. So you can't just throw money at publishing a novel and then not work to, to recoup that investment. Right. A lot more work that goes into it than just writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when so when you graduated, what was your next step? Like what were you what kind of work were you into? So I, I did. I, I finished the English program in about two years. Mm. Um, don't tell my parents this, but they said I could graduate early. I said I don't. I'm not interested in graduating early. I enjoyed college too much. Yeah. So uh, they said, well, why don't you double major? Oh so no. I, there I got we a, go. I got a second degree in um, what I consider to be the breadwinner for my family. It's my bachelor's degree in comparative religious studies. Oh my. Which has been making me all of my money. Uh, not not really, but so it was a degree that was like incredibly enriching for me to study that, yeah, yeah. Um, but not necessarily aligned to any kind of career pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, should I go back and do it again? Maybe I would have selected a different uh, major for my double major, but that's, you know, that's what I decided at the time. Yeah. Um, so right at, out of college, I worked at a wine bar. Okay. I was in the service industry for about a year. Mm-hmm. And then I was kind of reevaluating. I took a couple of months and um, did some backpacking in the northern Indian Himalayas. Oh, wow. So it was kind of like getting out. Let me, you know, I made some money for a year working. Let me just try to essentially contemplate where I want to go. Yeah. Um, it was over there. I did some volunteering in, in, a, in a Tibetan refugee camp and did some, you know, not really teaching, but I was supporting a school. Yeah. There for for about a month. Um, came back, decided, you know what? I think I kind of like that experience. So I went to uh, Wilmington University, got the master's degree in secondary ed. Yeah. Um, and then began a 10 year career with Cecil County Public Schools in secondary ELA. Wow. So yeah. were you able to teach Gatsby? Was that part of the curriculum? I, I never got to oh, 11th grade. I yeah. did eighth grade. Okay. And then. Um, Ninth grade, 10th grade, and 12th grade. So I skipped, skipped the, 11th. Yeah. Never got to teach it. Yeah. So my um, my teacher is now long gone, but I loved that book so much. And at that time, it was, I think they still, you borrow the books, right? You don't, you don't get them in high school. I kept mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have it. And what are they going to do about it? <laughs> They're not going to be able to do anything. Oh, no, don't tell me that. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it that much. But so what was that? What was that? What was teaching? What was teaching like for you? Um, so one of the aspects that I'm passionate about in my role now as a central office employee um, in administration, I'm so grateful to the, the English coordinator, um, the ELA coordinator for Cecil County, and then my building administrators who encouraged me to pursue, you know, um, you know, school systems will pay for a portion of um, any advanced degrees that you're attempting to earn. So mm-hmm. they encouraged me to go to Goucher get my administrator certificate so that I could, you know, do some more building-based leadership and that sort of thing. Um, so I did that for, for about two years, got the admin one certificate, started leading um, the school improvement team, looking mm-hmm. at data, coaching other um, 
faculty members doing curriculum writing over the summer for 10th grade, uh, which was a phenomenal experience. And then I, you know, at that point I was just kind of hooked on um, grad school. So I enrolled in a doctoral program at Notre Dame of Maryland. I'm, <laughs> I'm very close to having my PhD in That's instructional amazing. leadership. Yeah. And it's just, I've been in, in college for um, nine, Ever. <laughs> nine years, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what I'll do when I finish this degree. Maybe I'll enroll in like a law program and get the Juris Doctorate. <laughs> Why not? Because I just love to learn. Yeah. Um, so, so somewhere, at some point, someone instilled in me the love of learning. Yeah. And and I think that a lot of the opportunities moving from the classroom to um, last year, I was at the Maryland State Department of Education mm -hmm. doing some blueprint work. So I left the classroom in Cecil County, worked at the Department of Education in Baltimore City for a year, mm -hmm. um, kind of preparing to, to execute the blueprint. Um, in the, uh, toward the last spring, my wife and I learned that we were going to have our first child. Yeah. Yay. Six weeks ago. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. Um, and, and the, thank you. The, the program that I was working on at the state level was, was a school quality review component called the expert review team, which is um, stipulated in the blueprint. And I would have to be in a different school pretty much every day mm. across the state. It will be a lot of staying in hotels away from home. I knew I didn't want to do that with, you know, a, a new baby. Yeah. Um, so I, became aware of the the opportunity in Kent County for the blueprint coordinator um, interviewed last spring was hired in July and now I'm in love with Kent County I love that well that's so exciting and it's it's interesting I, I like taking this journey with our guests because nobody except one guest out of almost a hundred nobody ends up doing exactly what they thought they were going to be doing it's just it's such this winding road and you're introduced to different opportunities at different times I even I was in a classroom this morning it was, it was encouraging students like you might have a job that does not currently exist so back in junior year of high school blueprint for Maryland did not exist this job did not exist so I encourage students to think like that and we kind of collectively realize you know building your skills building your network those things are more important than the actual title or whatever job you have immediately after high school or immediately after college everything can kind of build and, and lead toward a new opportunity so thank you for taking that journey with us oh, yeah, <laughs> I love that so I I want to dive more into blueprint for Maryland's future so we kind of got this bird's eye view of the program what do you get asked most frequently so I'm I'm, I'm imagining at this point you are very very well versed in all how many pages of that document 200 the, and so it's complicated there, there's a, approximately 245 there was the initial bill house bill 1300 um, which Governor Larry Hogan he vetoed it which essentially slowed it down mm -hmm. eventually it was um, it was passed but they had to revise all of the timelines because mm -hmm. they had, you know, the governor Passed. had slowed it down. Yeah. So they literally had to issue a new version of the bill that had changed timelines. Yeah. Um, they issued a further, a third revision to the bill, which changed some of the funding formulas and some of the timelines as well. So when you're navigating the blueprint, you are navigating three separate bills mm. um, and having to sort of check like, wait, am I looking at the most updated version of this? So it, it is somewhere, you know, over 250 pages of, of legislation. It's it's pretty sizable. Yeah, um, lot to 
comb through and yeah. lots of little pieces. But what do you find most people ask about or, or are they not asking about it? I know we, we were talking um, offline a little bit. You're, this is like a, a timeline for you to communicate what's happening with the, the public. So what, what are people curious about? So, so you just said the one of the two things that people are asking about most is timeline. Mm, so yeah. with all of the the revised timelines and and um, blueprint, it doesn't say that we have to do everything at once. Mm-hmm. So for instance, what we're working up to right now is um, a July first, twenty twenty three start date for a lot of new programs. Okay. Um, for instance, we have a new. There will be a new career counseling six through twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, you will probably, Andra, be tasked with with informing a lot of our approach to providing career counseling mm-hmm. um, although we will you know we, we we get future funding to hire a career counselor okay. or a career advisor who will be supporting students in 6 through 12 mm-hmm. um, that's brand new that's starting July 1st uh, we have to to implement a new support or rather enhance our current approach to supporting students that are not college and career ready mm-hmm. um, on the MCAP assessment we have to implement that or at least document our efforts to um, provide that support beginning July 1. So, the, And then there are various other programs and, and funding uh, streams that kick in July 1st of this year. There are other um, requirements that will kick in next July. Mm-hmm. For instance, this pesky career ladder for educators mm-hmm. that everyone has possibly heard uh, a little bit about. Yeah. So, so that's coming a little bit later. Um, our post-CCR pathways... Uh, you know, CTE, dual enrollment, early college, AP pathway, that all has to be scripted and codified and implemented um, the way the blueprint says, July 1, 2024. Okay. Um, July 1, 2026, <laughs> there are some programmatic uh, considerations that we need to prepare for. Uh, so, and then, you know, there, there are lots of other um, requirements for, for mandatory reporting mm-hmm. of various components of the blueprint. Those occur annually at various dates. So a lot of you you asked um, what are people asking about? They're asking about dates, dates, timeline. When, when do we need to have this by? When does this need to, to happen? Yeah, um, we're getting lots of questions about that. We're also getting lots of questions about funding. Mm-hmm. So this is great to say, you know, students that have not passed the English ten MCAP or the Algebra one MCAP assessment, we have to provide them with a support pathway mm-hmm. to ensure that we can reassess them as soon as possible and um, have them hit that CCR standard as soon as possible. Well, the blueprint says we need to do that, and it gives us sort of um, some guidelines for that, but it does not give us any funding to implement that program. Mm. So the question becomes, this sounds, like a great, sounds like a great program. <laughs> How are we going to fund that? Yeah. Um, so, and then th- there are various other programs where we do receive specific new funding to implement the program. For instance, this new career counseling program, we mm. receive we, we, the blueprint is very clear about how much money we receive to implement that program. It's just in terms of creating the new budget, which is what, you know, Dr. Couch right now is very busy with our CFO creating that with the Board of Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to know exactly what to anticipate in terms of the state share and the local share. And that is all scripted right out in the blueprint. Wow. So, so lots of funding questions as well. Yeah, timeline and funding. People want to know, how is this affecting me? What do I have to do? When's it due by? And how are we going to pay for all of this, right? Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, like I I pay attention. I mean, I'm I'm 
I'm interested in the the whole thing, but specific to whatever your your role is, you would pay more attention to certain pieces. So I know at um, MBRT, the coordinators, we're most interested in, you know, the college and career readiness piece. Like, how are we able to help with it? How are we are we doing things currently that could could assist with it, that kind of thing. But um, how can other programs help? Will there be, are there opportunities for outside of Kent County Public Schools groups to help or what does that look like? Yeah, so um, within the realm of CCR, uh, two, well, I'll just stick with the career counseling piece, which which we are mapping out currently. Mm -hmm. The blueprint does say that we have to partner with two specific organizations to provide career counseling to students in 6 through 12 those organizations are Chesapeake College mm-hmm. and the Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure the extent to which the um, the business roundtable interacts with the Workforce Investment Board. That would be a question that I would have for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we have a we've developed a very good relationship over the last six months with Dan Schneckenberger, oh, yeah. who is the executive director of our Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board, mm-hmm. um, and we've been in you know very frequent conversations with him, with uh, Dave Harper, who's the vice president um, of Chesapeake College, mm-hmm. and with uh, our counterparts in Queen Anne County, Caroline, Talbot, and Dorchester counties to ensure that we all are sort of participating in a partnership with those organizations in a similar way um, and to ensure that we're doing it, we're building this program in a way that will um, benefit students uh, most effectively. Yeah. So um, those two, for sure, in terms of providing career counseling, we talk to Washington College a lot, being our partner in our backyard, right. to, to see what they can do to support our programming. Um, the state uh, has, has created a CTE committee, mm-hmm. uh, which will be interpreting the law and providing a lot of guidance to us in terms of provi- enhancing our CTE pathway. Um, but, you know, we've built the skeleton of a career counseling program, mm-hmm. and um, we now need to bring that to our middle school and our high school and ensure that we're implementing that in a way that um, reduces the burden on the staff that we currently have mm-hmm. um, and really is strategic about the use of this new employee who will be uh, a career coach or a career advisor and we would want to implement this in, in a way that augments the work that you're already doing with, you know, um, next-gen scholars and, mm-hmm. and the business roundtable as well. So we, in a time when funding is scarce, we want to ensure that we're not duplicating our efforts. Right. So if there's a program that you are all implementing now, we would not want to duplicate that with new funding. We would want to ensure that um, we're more strategic with our use of that money. Yeah, filling filling gaps or providing a, a nice range of opportunities or services for students. So mm-hmm. yeah. So we we have had a college and career readiness stakeholder committee that's met four times uh, since September, and really our goal there is to just share information about um, the requirements of Blueprint, and then um, to assess the challenges that we'll encounter in implementing these sorts of programs. So. Um, the, the future of those committees passed our implementation deadline, which is March 15th. We're going to be re- revising our approach to those committees. So, for instance, with um, our Pillar 2 committee, which is high quality and diverse teachers and leaders, mm-hmm. uh, we have decided that we are going to split that committee into two separate subcommittees um, to look at diversity of hiring and uh, mentoring as two separate 
committee focuses. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably going to be something that we do with our college and career ready pillar or um, policy area committee. We will probably this spring be breaking this committee into two separate subcommittees um, to have more of a precise focus of that committee work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a, a piece of forming these committees is to ensure that we have the right people in those committees. Right. So that's kind of where we are now. Um, thinking about who do we need to have at the table to, to inform these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? I mean, you know, you, there's all of these um, plans and, and things in development. Are you anticipating like anxiety or nerves or, or from that, that front line of like teachers and staff and administration at the, at the school level? Like what, what information is being shared with them or what can we do to kind of like, this is kind of ease ease the anxiety a little bit sure change is scary right <laughs> it, yeah. is, it is good or bad change is scary <laughs> um you know they say action relieves anxiety so if you're anxious about something once you actually are in the work doing it then your anxiety is diminished yeah so um we really want to and it's difficult because someone like myself i live and breathe the blueprint right um the you know teachers in our buildings they're not as as well versed mm -hmm. so what we did have with the goal of informing the general public of what the blueprint entails um we formed these stakeholder committees uh we had 67 individuals uh participating across four committees mm -hmm. and um school-based staff accounted for i believe 40 percent uh wow. so so teachers support staff and school-based administrators accounted for um, about 40% of that membership. We also had parents, we had community leaders, and we had central office staff mm -hmm. as well. So I would th um, I I'm confident that there is a body in each school, um, or I'm sorry, not one body, but a body <laughs> of folks yeah. in each building who are fairly well-versed in what the blueprint means for them. Mm -hmm. um, we offered a professional development opportunity in January uh, through the choice boards. There was a blueprint um, presentation that we gave, mm -hmm. which which was specifically geared toward the implications for educators. Um, so we, we wanted to provide that. We'll provide that, that same opportunity again at future professional developments if anyone's interested in what are the implications of, you know, what does this new career ladder mean for me? Right. I've heard about national board uh, the National Board Certification for Teachers. Now, what exactly does that mean and what is Kent County doing right. to, to provide that? And what do I have to do to, to and, get there? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we do want to provide as many opportunities as possible for um, individuals to learn about the blueprint, which is why I was delighted to hear from you yeah. um, about this uh, opportunity on, on air. There's a career fair that, uh, you know, we're, we're having a blueprint... Yes. Mark Buckle table. and I are hosting that. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I will be there yes. with the blueprint um, table. Mm -hmm. I would like to get grassroots here, and I would like to ha I would like to be at the farmers market. I understand that Kent County Public Schools has a presence at the farmers market for hiring. Yes. Occasionally, so I would like to set up there, and sure. in addition to doing my shopping, provide information <laughs> to the to the community about um, whatever facet of the blueprint they like. Yeah. Uh, we have we are presenting to the annual meeting of the League of Women Voters. Mm -hmm in April uh, down in downtown Chestertown. So we have that planned. Um, Tom Hers, who had run for county commissioner, he has that um, Eastern Shore Journal podcast. So we have, we've arranged to 
to be on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, Dr. Couch and I are planning to visit each of the schools um, during s- regularly scheduled faculty meetings between now and the end of the year to simply let them know that we are working on implementing the blueprint and that we are uh, very accessible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what, that, that's the miracle of a small school system. If a teacher were to email me with, and they have, mm-hmm. with questions about the blueprint for Maryland's future, I will gladly point them to the information that um, the, they're requesting. So yeah. um, we have the best interests of the students in mind. Um, we want the our implementation of the blueprint to really improve and enhance the quality of teaching and learning in, in KCPS. Um, t- to that end, we will be launching a series of focus groups, um, not only with teachers, but also with students mm-hmm. throughout the implementation of the blueprint to, to sort of monitor the effectiveness of our approach and to see how, how we might inform um, revisions to our plan and our programming. Yeah. Well, it sounds like really thought out and there's lots of different steps and focuses. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll continue to evolve you know, as the program evolves, we'll we'll have you back and we'll continue some some conversations. I think, especially as this first deadline passes and the first round of implementation happens, um, there's definitely a, a lot. Uh, but I I want to wrap up our show. I like to leave with one tip for students. So thinking about especially those students that are um, graduating in a couple of months, like what advice do you have for them as they embark on the next step toward their future? I think I would say, from from my own personal experience, what benefited me most was le- um, leaving both my physical zone and then also my more abstract comfort zone. Mm. So I would encourage students to take advantage of opportunities to um, travel, and not necessarily to just travel to somewhere very similar to where they've been in the past. I would encourage them to travel somewhere exotic. Yeah, I would encourage them to travel to a place where people live lives in very different ways from how they live um, in Kent County. And I would encourage them to trust the generosity of the people that they meet, to talk to people, um, to share their stories with with these uh, diverse folks, and to listen open-mindedly to the stories of others who have lived very different lives from them. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned that, you know, a lot of us, we we get to where we are because we've met people mm-hmm. and we have networked with them. Yeah. And then when they find opportunities that they think we would be a good fit for, they communicate they that to us. Think of you. Yeah. yeah. So to, you know, um, to, to, to do that, to meet as many people as you can, uh, to be kind and generous and open-minded to opportunities um, because you never know, you know, who the person is that you're meeting that's going to call you next year and say, you know what? I think I, you might be able to help us with something. Yeah. Um, and then that, that, that launches you into a, a path that you never knew would be available. Didn't even t- anticipate. Absolutely. And I love that about this show, just following the the journeys of, of our, our guests and seeing that it's not, it, it, you, you can't really plan it out. I mean, you can have ideas, but life is going to take you lots of different ways. So it's all good. So I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. I know it's a, a short show. We've, we have a lot more we could dive into. So I'd love to have you back again. Um, but until, until next time, that is this episode of College and Career Corner. And we'll catch you again next week. Bye. You're listening to 90.5 WKHS Wharton, streaming at wkhsradio.org, community-connected student public radio.